This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now. Sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. This will be a 39-yard attempt from the middle of the field for James McCourt with four seconds left. Wisconsin 23, Illinois 21. The Badgers have no timeouts. They can't stop it. McCourt for the win. Upset indeed, the call on the Illini Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Brian Barthar with the play-by-play, and I'm Tom Ackerman. Great to have on Sports on a Sunday morning at 11.06, live with us, the head coach of the Illini, Lovey Smith. The Fighting Illini get it done. They beat number 6 Wisconsin 24-23. Coach, great to have you on KMOX. Thanks for having me on, Tom. Of course, you can imagine uh, you know how, how much excitement there is around here. Uh, to be able to cap off a great homecoming weekend with the big victory was huge. That call is so much fun to hear, and I, just to see the visuals of, of all of you celebrating on the field before and uh, the game, I know that a lot of people looked at Wisconsin as a giant. That's why you play the games, isn't it? That's definitely why you play the game. And, um, you know, to be on a college campus on a Saturday, there's just no – it's not a more exciting place to be in to see students charge the field after a big win, that's a snapshot that you'll keep forever. But, um, again, our guys really played hard. We've been playing. We've seen signs lately of becoming a pretty good football team. It was good to put it all together. I bet it was. How did it happen? How did you pull this off? And I would think that the first thing you think of is the fact that you fought and you were determined, but also you've got to get turnovers and you have to win that battle. And you were able to do that late in the game, weren't you? Yes, our guys believe in that. You know, it's about the turnover ratio, you know, for your team. And defensively, it's about taking the ball away and not waiting for. you know, for the offense to turn the ball over. We've had that philosophy since our St. Louis Rams days. And, uh, of course, the guys are carrying it through right now. Um, but, you know, it's one thing to take the ball away, but you have to score points. And um, Wisconsin hadn't given up a lot of points, but our offense was able to put drives together yesterday. Yes, they were. Wisconsin uh, featuring a great running attack, a great defense, but your team has some emerging players. Just tell us some of the people, and I know that that sometimes that's not easy to do because so many contributed, but some players that will stand out that will never forget their performance against Wisconsin, Lovey. Well, uh, you know, you have to always start with the quarterback position. Brandon Peters has been out. We had our quarterback back healthy this game. He made plays down the stretch when he when he needed to. Both of our running backs, Dre Brown and 
and Reggie Corbin have been super all year. In order for all that to happen, you have to have your offensive line playing well. And one of our graduate transfers, Josh Bebe, big play by him, a walk-on, uh, really that 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 really did a great job for us uh, too. Also, so so many so many people kind of contributed to you know to the success of the team. And on the defensive side of the football, you talk about taking the ball away, uh, Jake Hansen. We have a linebacker that's caused seven seven fumbles on the year. Uh, so the guys just kept playing over and over. And St. Louis on, St. Louis area, Tony Adams came up with a big play there late to give us a chance to win. Yes, he did. Big interception for Tony Adams. And you mentioned Dre Brown. What a run that was. I mean, you talk about determination late in the game when you're worn down, breaking tackles and getting yourself in position. Yes, Dre has fallen through. So he's had about three major injuries during his time here at the University of Illinois, but it's all back uh, through it. You know, he's one of our few married players on the team. So he's a mature man, graduate already. Uh, and just come to work like that each day. And you want to see seniors have have success and have a game like that that they'll, be, they'll remember the rest of their lives. You mentioned Tony Adams from the St. Louis area from SLU High for those who wanted the answer to that question. But I just, I know that it has been a tough road. It always is being the figurehead of an organization or of a program. What can this do for you? And what has it been like up to this point? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's always tough when you're building a program the right way. But in our time here, you know, we, we had the worst facilities in college football. And the last couple of months, we've gone to one of the best facilities in college football. And we've just been building our program brick by brick. We have some recruiting areas, St. Louis being one of them that we need to do well in and throughout the, throughout the country, you know, keeping – and then just so many other parts of, of your program to continue to build, your walk-on program. As I talked about, Donnie Navarro scoring the first long touchdown uh, yesterday – so this is how we've been doing it. We feel like now we're in a position we have our best group together and feel like we can not only upset people, but we can become a, a team that people have to contend with each week. Big Ten is a big bruising conference, isn't it? And you just have to sort of withstand the competition as the game wears on. It's sometimes like this. It's the last team standing. Yeah, it is. And uh, it should be that way. You're right. That's the perception of Big Ten football. And you know, coach talk, uh, as we coach talk, we, you know, it's a 60 minute game. You have to, it's about how you start. You know, you want to start fast, but it's always about how you finish and you want to finish strong. Last couple of weeks, we really finished strong and that has a lot to do with all season uh, conditioning. Uh, Lou Hernandez does a great job with our all season conditioning program. So there's just so many people that are contributing to us climbing up that ladder. What a moment it was for Illinois to get that win. Again, the final 24-23. They come back after falling behind by nine late. They storm back and win the game on a last-second field goal. We heard the call right here. It was a tremendous moment for the program, for Lovey Smith, who has joined us live on KMOX. And congratulations. It was just a, a great sight to see. Love to see a program experience those things, and Illinois has done just that. I'm sure it's a beautiful morning in Champaign-Urbana. No doubt about that. It is, that Tom, and just thanks for having me on, and hopefully... You know, we'll continue to do things to get on this show. It's great. I'd love to get you on anytime. It's great to have you on, and congratulations, and good luck against Purdue next week. 
All right, thank you. Take thank care. You. There's the head coach of the Fighting Line. I love Smith on KMOX. Great to have him on in St. Louis. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Mizzou football coach Barry Odom. Tough one for the Tigers yesterday in the SEC at Vanderbilt. That's next. He'll be live with us at 11:15 on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. It's 11-16 on KMOX. Well, as college football has shown us from week to week, you just never know what's going to happen on that football field. Anything can happen. Kansas takes Texas to the brink yesterday, ends up losing 50-48. to Illinois wins against number 6 Wisconsin, 24-23. One of the biggest, that's probably the biggest upset of the year thus far. Previously 0-3 in the Big Ten. And Missouri goes to Vanderbilt and loses 21-14 as the number 22 team in the nation. Their first SEC loss after winning six straight SEC games. And joining us is the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, Barry Odom. Barry, good morning. It's uh, another day. And uh, moving forward, I'm sure with your program, but uh, feeling some disappointment after yesterday. Hey, Tom. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's a... Uh, uh, way that you you go into the game and i thought that everything throughout the week in our preparation habits seemed uh like we were on point i thought we were anxious and ready to go play and and really at the end of the day not not uh, nobody wants to hear excuses there aren't any we got out coached and we got outplayed and we've got to understand and we will that um again this this uh, the opportunity that we let slip by, it's not going to define you know, ultimately the, the rest of the season, but a response will. And, and we also know that it's hard to win. It's hard to win at home. It's hard to win on the road. It's hard to win in this conference. And every team is going to be uh, just about exactly the same. And it's going to come down to for those three and a half hours on, on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night, whatever it is, that we've got to go play our A game. And if we don't, it's going to come down to trying to find a way to to win the game in the fourth quarter. And we didn't make enough plays. They did. Uh, we couldn't get the running game going, and then we couldn't come up with a stop defensively really when we needed it. And we really appreciate you coming on, as always, to talk about it. It's just – you know, your offense had been successful, and no matter who you played, it seemed like you were putting up points. You had scored, this is an amazing streak, actually. You'd scored 31 or more points in 11 straight games. The only team that had done more than that was Oklahoma. Uh, what happened to the offense? Is it partly about the penalties that, that happened to you? Well, I think there are a number of things. You know, we, we never got into the groove, the momentum of, you know, and, and that was some breakdown in what we had going with, within the scheme and the game plan, but then also, you know, we, we had so many penalties uncharacteristically uh, that, that either stopped a drive or we had a drop pass or a missed throw or a missed block uh, or couldn't win the one-on-one matchup. I mean, it's a, a cumulative effort, uh, but it all, again, it starts, we didn't put our kids in position to go play the best. Um, and, you know, that was the, the result of, of not being able to, uh, overcome some adversity and, you know, obviously the, the urgency of the here and the now to, to find a way to go on the road this week against a good Kentucky team and put together a great plan and then go execute it. You beat Kentucky and you'll still have that in front of you. I know this is all way ahead of you, but the door is still open for you to take the SEC East, the way things have played out in the SEC. You'll have to find a way to get that message uh, to your team, which I'm sure is down. 
it'll it'll be uh, loud and clear. We're going to regroup today. We'll get them in here uh, later this afternoon. Have meetings. Uh, go through and learn from our from our uh, experiences that we had yesterday, and we're going to move forward. There's not you know nobody really, Tom. You look at the grand scheme of thing. Nobody is feeling sorry for us. You know what I mean? Who cares? Let's find a way to go fix it and go do it. And the amount of time that you sit there and you think the what ifs and what what's ahead, what's behind, we're wasting an opportunity to go get better. So we're going to learn from what we did not do well. We're going to do better. And, you know, we've got a short amount of time to get ready to go play a lot better against Kentucky. There are so many things in this game. I just want to point out a few things just in the interest of time. And, and one of them, of course, is Tyree Gillespie because I – it just seemed, um, you know, out of character. But th- I know things can happen in a football game, but it was uh, it was a tough one there. Uh, leading with his helmet, uh, the Vanderbilt quarterback was sliding. He hits him in his, in his helmet and ends up being ejected for targeting, which means he'll be suspended for the first half of the Kentucky game. Just uh, your feelings there and, and anything with regard to Tyree Gillespie. Well, the the – Penalty was was called as I mean it was kind of textbook targeting that's that's the reason one of, one of the reasons that penalty is is what it is uh, and and Tyree was guilty of it you know the quarterback went into a slide he had already um, started to the process of making the tackle but we've taught over and over and over when a quarterback's going to a slide you have to, at, at all costs you've got to do everything possible. Uh, to just avoid contact, and we we lost our focus and weren't able to do that in that situation. What about the play of your offensive line, which you and I talked so glowingly about the week before, and rightfully so. Um, this time, uh, Kelly Bryant was sacked three times and just couldn't seem to get that run game going. Now we didn't. You know, I, I thought you know, Vanderbilt won on the on the. In, in that battle, the one-on-one matchup, you look at position group against position group. Thought the defense line, uh, they 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 beat us up front, and you know the the sacks are you know I, um, a couple of times our reads weren't correct out of the the route progression read, so we held it a little bit long. But also, you know, we got to be able to establish the run. You got to find a way to do that, and we didn't do it, and uh, so. Um, you know, credit to Vandy and the way that they schemed us and the way that they played and outplayed us and outcoached us. So uh, we got a lot of work to do, but I still, I think we're we're going to be a good football team before it's all said and done. We just got to put it all together, and we will. And just finally, you know, the the loss to Wyoming was a road game, and this was a road game. I guess it would be too simple to say that this team uh, struggles to find ways to win on the road, or is this just overall – Something that stands out, as you said, execution-wise, and in a, in a football game, regardless of where you play. Well, I, I think you always got to look in the mirror a little bit. You got to, you got to, you know, what, what are the reasons why? Why did it take place? Yes, Wyoming uh, and and this performance were very, very similar, actually. So, yeah. but then I look around the league, and Vandy's zero two on the road, Tennessee's zero two on the road, Kentucky's zero three on the road, Ole Miss is zero three, Mississippi State's zero two, and Arkansas is zero two. So it's not like we're the only guys in the country that, that haven't won on the road yet. So we got to get it fixed because here in a couple of days we'll be back out on the road and we've got to find a way to go get one. And you will be playing Kentucky this weekend. We certainly wish you the best on there, and we thank you so much for joining us, as you always do, here on KMOX. Thanks, man. Have a great week, Tom. Appreciate you too. It. Thank you very much. Barry Odom, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. Tough one for them as they fall to Vanderbilt. 21-14, they're now 5-2 and two on the season, 2-1 and one in the SEC. Still waiting for that appeal of the NCAA sanctions, uh, whether they're going to get an announcement on that. Missouri has not 
uh, had any information coming uh, uh, to us, certainly on that. Uh, but the Tigers playing their first game since moving into the top 25, a five-game winning streak all at home, and they fall 21-14 to Vanderbilt. Our thanks to Barry Odom for joining us, certainly. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll take a break. When we come back in just a little bit, we're going to hear from John Mosellock at the bottom of the hour, 1130. The Cardinals are out but they were one of four still standing. And what does that mean for 2020? We have a lot of questions about that 2020 roster, which eventually will take shape. We'll be back in a moment with the Cardinals president of baseball operations on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. On their feet, 47,000 plus. And the 1-1 pitch, swinging a pop-up. There it is. It goes into shallow left. Out goes the uh, shortstop, makes the catch. Cardinals are Central Division champions. They win 9-0, and they celebrate onto the field. They are... That is how the Cardinals ended the regular season on September 29th. A win over the Chicago Cubs to claim the NL Central for the 12th time. The Cardinals went on to beat the Braves in the division series. First postseason series win for them in five years and then lost to the Nationals in the NLCS. Nationals will take on the Astros in the World Series. And John Mosellock joins us now, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. I play that one, John, because that is a good memory and it's certainly how you choose to remember the 2019 Cardinal season, whether it's four straight losses in the NLCS or the fact that they won the division, won a postseason series, and were one of four teams left standing. It's uh, a season, I'm sure, that will bring back a lot of memories for you. Well, I think that's right. Um, look, the obvious is, uh, you know, the, the season ended in, in bad fashion or, or one that you, you wish you could have changed the outcome as far as, getting swept but I think when you look back at the year overall it's 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 a positive season because a we got back to October we did have some October success but you know ultimately we didn't reach all our goals but you know I was uh doing a little um download with Mike Shilton his staff a couple days ago and you have to come away feeling that that it was a good year for the Cardinals and you know, now we know that there's areas we can build on, and, and we'll certainly focus on that over the next few months. How is Schilte and the staff doing? Mike Schilt uh, fought tooth and nail to try to get this team into that position. Well, I think that's right. And I, th- I think those guys at this point, you know, they, they feel that exhaustion that rolls in. When you play in October, you also, you know, you get that adrenaline rush and it keeps you going. But you think back to when all this starts in, in mid February. You know, your foot's on the gas for a long time. And so I think we're all trying to just catch our breath, um, understanding what we just went through, what we need to do. And um, we'll take the next uh, couple weeks to really sort of unpack that and, and prepare for next year. When you evaluate the NLCS, what do you see there? What is the main factor to you why the Nationals were able to capture that in four games? Well, I think the biggest thing was we weren't able to score. Um you, you know, it's hard, it's hard to win games when you're getting shut out. And I think for us, it's it's going to be to try to understand what we need to do with that lineup, what we could do differently, and, um, you know, find a way to, to be able to put up some numbers that, that allows you to uh, be in those baseball games. Finding some consistency, right? Because it just all season, it did seem like that team was hot and cold in terms of offense. They could erupt at any time. There are a lot of 
points where the output just wasn't there. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, when you look at our run differential, it really doesn't equate to the, those inconsistencies. And, and, and what I mean by that is on any given night, you might put up a 10 spot, but then the next two, you might put up two or three. And, and so just trying to find what that looks like is, is going to be really what we need to do. And, um, you know, certainly uh, I, I look forward to those conversations with our staff and and um, what that looks like moving forward. I wanted to ask, and the, again, no definitive answers here, of course, because it's October 20th, but Marcelo Zuna is going to be a free agent. Just your thought on his future. You know, I, I think that's a question mark right now. I think we need to understand what we want to look like. And, you know, whenever you ask these kind of questions, people always sort of get stuck in that vacuum of for next year. And, and these have much longer ramifications than just a year. And so understanding what our depth is coming up, where does Dylan Carlson fit into all this, what that looks like, and I think, you know, allow Mr. DeWitt, myself, and others to, to digest that and see where it goes. Do you think Carlson is a bat that can play in 2020? Again, you're, you're asking questions that, that aren't fair in the sense mm. of, of I don't really want to to label something today when we have plenty of time to just sort of walk through this and, and decide what's best for the organization, not just short term, but long term. And, you know, right now, you know, coming off a, a, a tough four games, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to position something where it's a knee jerk reaction. And so, you know, do I think Carlson's a talented player? Absolutely. Um, named Texas player of the year and you don't get that lightly. So, you know, he's someone that we're very excited about but in terms of what we look like for next season and, and what that's going to mean long-term, I think the staff, myself, we just want to take our time to, to really understand what that's going to look like. No, fair enough. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's answered well. I, I do uh, feel like Adam Wainwright has more in the tank. I guess that's another conversation you're going to need to have with somebody who had just a tremendous finish and really entire 2019. Yeah, he had a great year. Um, Obviously, when you look back to, to our season, you know, clearly we were defined by pitching and defense. And, you know, he was a, a integral part of that, gave us uh, big games when we needed it. And I think, you know, for him, he needs to decide what's, what's next for, for Mr. Wainwright and his family. And the Cardinals will certainly uh, answer the phone should it ring. But I do, I do anticipate touching base with him or his agent here in the next week or two. It's going to be an interesting offseason for sure across the board. A lot of players will be available to you. Just to, an overall philosophical question here is this team moving forward, again, you're looking in the future, you're looking long-term, um, but in 2020, the Cardinals seem like they've gotten into a position here where they've muscled past the Cubs and the Brewers. They uh, How much of that being the NL Central champions motivates you to keep those two away in 2020. What I mean by that is, would you be, would it be possible that you'd be more aggressive in 2020 to try to bulk up? Um, I don't look at it that way. I, I think the Cardinals have always been like trying to find what they need to do for themselves and, and what we want that to look like. Um, I think it's a little dangerous when you start trying to just, chase something in your division. I think our, our division next year will be competitive, 
I don't think the Cubs are going away. I don't think Milwaukee's going away. I think Cincinnati will be stronger. I think one of the question marks in our division might be what, what Pittsburgh ends up doing. But when you look at, at how we fared this year, you have to you have to believe that, that next year should should go well for the Cardinals just because a lot of our, our core or our future are young players and having somebody like a Jack Flaherty that you're anchoring to is, is pretty exciting. So, you know, I think if we can find a way to to become more consistent with our offense, I think next year should be very exciting for us. Just unpacking the 2019 season here with John Mozalock, and we always love these visits and certainly appreciate it. Looking back again at 2019, the defensive improvements surround Paul Goldschmidt in a lot of ways, don't they? Just review, if you would, the season that Goldie had for you in his first full season as a Cardinal. Yeah, I think Goldie was exactly what we hoped for in terms of how he was advertised. I mean, there's no doubt when you look at our club offensively, there's a lot of players on that team that wish they were, that did more. But I do think from a defensive standpoint, Goldie became that glue of that infield because everybody else could take a deep breath and let it go. And and I think from a, from a defensive standpoint, he was one of those like just extraordinarily important parts to why we played so well. The Cardinals have a team that has a, a strong bullpen coming back. It's really remarkable to think what they did without Jordan Hicks. Uh, what do you expect uh, health-wise for Jordan Hicks? Uh, fingers crossed that he's someone that, as we approach the trading deadline next year, might be someone that's available or at least uh, in discussion. A little premature to know what that looks like today, but that would be the hope. Um, you know, clearly when you lose that type of arm out of your bullpen, it really speaks volumes of what everybody else ended up doing. So, you know, as we start to focus on this off season and, and, and what we want that bullpen to look like, you know, we'll be very strategic again on, on what we expect people to do in the off season and prepare for next year. I love the year that Ryan Helsley had, didn't you? I, and uh, the, the possibilities there are uh, endless for him, it seems. There's there's a lot probably to come for Ryan Helsley. What a year. Well, he's another dynamic arm. Um, you know, anytime you have that type of, of, of arm strength coming out of the bullpen or possibly in the rotation, it's eye-opening. And so for him, you know, obviously to, to be able to do it at the major league level, I think gave him a lot of confidence. And I think as he prepares for next year, he's in a much different spot than he was a year ago. I, well, another bullpen question would be Carlos Martinez. What do you see? And again, all these questions still need to be uh, panned out over the next few months, understandably so. But just looking back at Carlos Martinez and what he was able to provide for you when you needed him. Well, I think, again, when you have someone like Hicks that, that ends up being injured and then having Carlos be able to fill that role was something that I think allowed for our success. In terms of what we want to see happen with Carlos this upcoming year, I think there's going to be many factors that weigh into that and him being one of them and, and what he decides he thinks is best for him. Um, when you look at his career path, but also where he is physically, he did undergo a, a small procedure last couple of days, um, to get a PRP injection, but he should have a pretty normal off season now moving forward. And uh, once we have time, we'll weigh in with him and, and see what that looks like. A positive from 2019, the emergence of Tommy Edmond. Uh, the, just the name Tommy Edmond puts a smile on everybody's face. What a season he had. I'm not sure that you, that you get where you are without him. 
brought a lot of energy to the club. Um, when you think back to when he joined us, it was definitely a uh, club was at a crossroads. Came in, uh, got a lot of big hits, gives you a lot of flexibility, not only being a switch hitter, but also someone who can play multiple positions. So I would expect someone like a Tommy Edmond to, to get a lot of at-bats next year in terms of where they come from. I think that's uh, to be determined. And just finally, taking a look at the club moving forward, any uh, thoughts on just the entire staff and what it meant? There was a, and I know this has already been said that Jeff Albert will be back, but I, I'm not particularly pointing at Jeff Albert. I just mean the entire staff and the support of Mike Schilt. Do you anticipate that that group will remain intact? And is this a long-term future together where you see Mike Schilt uh, taking control of a group and moving forward? They seem to work very well together. Well, I certainly hope so. But um, (laughs) just because uh, I hope so doesn't mean that'll happen. Um, What I mean by that is some of these guys will have opportunities elsewhere. Um, But ultimately, I imagine the staff is from our end, we'll try to keep it together. And, uh, you know, we're very proud of the group we have and, and uh, certainly think Schilte and his staff did a tremendous job this year. We had a great time visiting with you on every Sunday. We certainly, uh, based on your availability, would love to have you on these shows. We appreciate it very much, and it won't be long before we're discussing. Isn't it amazing how quickly this turns? We'll be discussing the winter meetings right around the corner, and then here we go with winter warm-up and the Cardinals caravan and spring training in February. One season ends, another one begins. That's That's how it works. Isn't that the case? Thank you so much for the time, John Mosellock. Appreciate it as always. All right, thanks, Tommy. Bye-bye. Thank you. John Mosellock, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations on KMOX, talking a little ball with us. It's 1144. We'll take a break. Come back with more sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Great visit there with John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, always kind enough to join us and answer our questions. We also had live on the show this hour, Lovey Smith, the head coach of the Fighting Illini after his big upset win over number six, Wisconsin, and Barry Odom was kind enough to join us after a very difficult loss at Vanderbilt yesterday, 21-14. But Barry did a terrific job answering our questions as well. And joining us now at 11.48 is the president of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Your XFL team is led by Kurt Hunziker, and we really appreciate you being with us on KMOX Radio. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. Well, you have yourself a football team, and after going from zero players to, what, about 70? (laughs) That's quite a week you've had. What a whirlwind I'm sure it's been. A lot of fun. 71 players uh, with uh, Mr. Uh, Ta'amu joining us as the first in flight. And, uh, you know, we had such a great time with him in town all week. You know, one of the the, the, the tenets of our brand is being St. Louis born and raised. So we were definitely giving uh, Jordan the crash course on the St. Louis raised part by going to Bush Stadium, Enterprise Center. He had toasted raviolis. He had Emo's Pizza. We, we, we definitely gave him the St. Louis baptism this week. I saw that. Jordan Ta'amu was a very good quarterback at Ole Miss. Big, tall guy who can get the job done. What do, do you envision for this football team in terms of its philosophy and, and what, let me say this, what kind of product are people going to see in general from the XFL? 
That's an excellent question. I think the <clears throat> what the XFL's really set out to do is is make the game really exciting. More ball, less stall is something that Commissioner Oliver Luck has said quite a few times. I know our head coach and general manager, Jonathan Hayes, has really taken that to heart. He and his staff really drafted a, a heck of a team. And not just with Jordan at the, at the forefront, but we have some absolute trees uh, for an offensive line that's going to be able to push some people around. Some burners, at wide receivers, some great running backs. I mean, if you looked at their board as their dream scenario at the start and what they ended up with, uh, you can you can understand why uh, Coach Hayes and Trey Brown and others were so excited about how the draft played out. Matt Jones, the running back from Florida, and he can flat get it done, can't he? Absolutely, Christine Michael. I mean, uh, Ladanian Tom, uh, Ladanian Washington. We've got some great guys and, and names that people here in the St. Louis area probably know. And I think there's gonna be a lot of names that once the season starts February at the Dome. They're going to really know. And it goes back to that fast-paced, more ball, less stall. It'll just be a great – hopefully it'll be a great product, and we aim for it to be a great product to watch on TV, but even better to experience live uh, downtown starting in February. Yeah, starting in February, you'll be playing at the Dome. I see that tickets are very affordable, too. They're about 20 bucks, right? Correct. Season tickets start at $20. And, you know, affordability has really been a, a, a major uh, discussion point with fans as we've been out and about in the community since the Battle Hawks kind of brand was born in, in August. And they wanted, uh, they wanted to have a good time. They wanted that memory-making experience that St. Louis sports teams are absolutely fantastic at providing. Uh, and they wanted to bring, be able to bring their kids. And so I think at those price points and just sitting in the lower bowl, that accessibility, you're going to be on top of the action. Hopefully we will provide those memory-making experiences for St. Louis football fans. I was heading to the Four Seasons for a birthday dinner with my daughter in August, our oldest turning 13, and we drove by the Dome. And it was right after the announcement had come that the Battle Hawks were the team name and and everything was starting to be aggressively marketed. And I said to my girls, age 13 and 8, I said, that's where your new football team is going to play. And I said, and, and I, I'm sure parents have had this conversation. I said, it's not an NFL team. It's an XFL team. And, and they said, we have a football team? Like, they didn't care. It was the, the NFL, right. XFL. They, they care that pro football is back in St. Louis. And I think an important point to make is you're not competing with the NFL. I mean, you are actually, in a lot of ways, an extension of the football season, aren't you? No question. You know, the XFL really is to promote football. And while we had the five home games at the Dome and we play a 10-game regular season, our championship game kind of wraps up NFL draft weekend, we're going to be out in the community all throughout the summer, all throughout the fall, kind of like we were this year, to really make the Battle Hawks a 365-day brand so to speak. So, you know, flag football leagues in the summer. We want to make football inclusive because one of the things that almost all research points, all data points uh, suggest is St. Louis is is a phenomenal football town. St. Louis has such a great reputation of being a great sports town, but you even segment that out. There is such a passion for football. And what the Battlehawks represent is, is not a new chapter. It's almost an entirely new book. And it's been very forward-thinking, and the fans that we've engaged with have been very appreciative of the fact that the XFL selected St. Louis 
as one of its eight franchises uh, to start in 2020. And they've really taken to the uh, the wish that we've had in the fan engagement office of, of helping us co-author this brand. You know, we have no set traditions. We have no I mean, set playbook. There's literally a blank canvas to try a lot of different things. And a lot of fans have a lot of great opinions and awesome suggestions. And, and I will very candidly state that we are taking quite a few of those and going to implement that for the Dome experience uh, in February. Uh, we had a great visit with Jonathan Hayes, your head coach, last week. He is a good football man, and I know that he'll be very much involved in everything that you do in the community as well as building that team. I know you have a great history in the game of baseball as well, in minor league baseball, so you understand this, what you just talked about, the importance of a relationship between a team and its fans and what that means year-round. Just a final thing for you in our last couple of minutes – Let's focus on how people can get their tickets, what to expect here in the next few months as we get closer. And we just had John Mosellock on, and I mentioned that uh, spring training is coming up fast. Well, your season is going to start right before that. Three months and a couple of weeks away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're, we are Halloween marks 100 days until the first XFL game. So, yeah, it's going to be fast and furious here in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, right now you can you can get your season tickets as as we stated before. Tickets start at twenty dollars a game, so five home games. Uh, later this week, we will announce our schedule, and then single game tickets will go on sale. So it'll become a little bit more crystallized. And people will be able to start planning around it, and then in the coming weeks, we will unveil the football. Uh, we will unveil helmets and uniforms. Uh, training camp will be here before we know it, right after the Thanksgiving break. And you'll blink, and <laughs> we'll be kicking off the 2020 season next February. We're going to have some fun with this and enjoy talking to you about it. And I think the logo is great, and the gear seems to be selling pretty well. Are you still the top-selling gear in the league? Uh, it, it, what's nice is I think a lot of people have told us that. Like, they've been able to figure it out when you go onto the XFL shop site, like top-selling, and you see a whole lot of Battle Hawks. And then you're starting to see it in and around town. Uh, I went to a handful of the Cardinals games towards the end of the season. People wearing Battlehawks gear. Went to a Blues game. You see someone wearing a Battlehawks hat. So it's the fans are being, you know, it, it's something they can touch and feel now. And now with 71 players, they can put faces to the on-field product. You know, what we're working on on the off-field product is, you know, in direct correlation and collaboration with the fan base of things they want to see, the affordability not only of tickets but food and beverage, uh, some of the game day atmosphere uh, elements. There's a lot to do, and we couldn't thank the St. Louis fan base enough for being so supportive and helpful throughout this entire process. We just can't wait for the season to start at the Dome in February. Congratulations and good luck. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Kurt Hunziker of the St. Louis Battlehawks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.